Welcome to the Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. And you can find even more answers by subscribing to Automation World at subscribeaw.com. That's subscribeaw.com. Now, I'm David Greenfield, Director of Content for Automation World, and the question we'll be answering in this episode is how to connect sustainability and automation. And joining me to answer this question is Michael Martinez with Schneider Electric, a supplier of industrial, commercial, and residential automation technologies. So thanks for joining me today, Michael. Thanks. Good to be with you, David. So for a couple of decades now, the push for industrial sustainability initiatives has focused on the bottom line benefits sustainability can deliver predominantly through less waste, better use of energy. But more recently, we're seeing heightened concerns about climate change from both the marketplace and the labor force, which are further driving industry toward more sustainable operations and practices. Now, Schneider Electric has long been a vocal advocate for sustainable industrial operations. So given that, how do you view the current state of automation technologies? And by that, I mean those technologies that are fairly new to industry and those already commonly deployed in terms of how they're positioned to support industry's digital transformation, which is, of course, you know, a critical component of any industrial sustainability effort. So, David, I think I'll answer that in two parts. So one is our current definition of sustainability. I think a lot of us today kind of focus on two pillars of sustainability, the economic sustainability and environmental sustainability. I think experts today say there's three or maybe even four different pillars of sustainability. So aside from economic and environmental, uh, the other two are social sustainability. So so the Im- impact on things like uh, diversity and inclusion, making sure that systems are fair. Uh, and the other is human. So there again, get meeting, meeting the basic needs of humanity uh, in terms of clean water, food, energy, and as such. And so I think if, as we look at all four of those pillars of sustainability, we start to see a more, uh, more valuable, more unique role of automation. But with respect to the technology itself, um, we recently commissioned a report by Omdia that, uh, that's actually available for download, which focuses on taking control of industrial digital transformation. Uh, what we found was that while 94% of respondents believe that digital transformation will have a moderate to high impact in the next two to three years, that actually 55% of those respondents said that the DCS or the automation solution is only somewhat equipped to support that digital transformation. And notably, if we dig a little deeper, uh, we actually see that among those, the OT management believes that 63% of them believe that the systems are unable to, to meet their expectations. And so I would say in general, if, as, as the state of the state of automation today, is that systems are not capable of achieving the business outcomes that customers are after. Uh, but it is important to recognize that they actually do see that investing in these types of technologies will help them to achieve those outcomes. And so it's, I, I think it's both a double-edged, it's a double-edged sword in the sense that Yes, it's positive that uh, that we see technology making a, a vital impact on our operations, but to that the technology that we have deployed today in many instances is not ready to achieve those outcomes. Yeah, speaking of that, with what you mentioned there in that report, were there certain things about the systems that are in use uh, at companies today that, that they're lacking in? Was there some specific aspects or features that they noticed were missing? Well, I think mostly it has to do with with interoperability, connectivity, uh, and you know, I would say primarily the biggest one was cybersecurity in terms of some of the things that they're trying to achieve. 
Uh, but of note is that one of the most important aspects of why what is preventing them from investing in the digital transformation uh, programs is actually cost. And, and it's not just the cost of the actual capital expenditure to update the hardware. It's actually the opportunity loss whenever you start to think about shutting some of these facilities down or even some of the critical applications that these systems are deployed in, that, that the factories and the facilities just can't seem to take the downtime to get them. I think so. And so in many instances, it's it's the uh, it's that return on investment. And in some terms, some cases, uh, those systems are just not available. It always is the total cost of ownership involved in that, never just uh, the initial price point. Absolutely. So when when you look at specific sustainability initiatives that you know you've encountered within your work at Schneider Electric, what do you consider to be the key aspects of modern automation technologies that end users should be looking for? Well, I think to start with, some of the key drivers that we're seeing forcing the the adoption of new technology is is and I would say primarily the biggest one is the accelerating speed of business. I think we look back historically, you know, we we used to operate on the time frame of of years and quarters and looking at quarterly reports and making changes to processes and product mixes, et cetera. But today we operate in days, hours, even minutes in some processes. Uh, and, and I think it's going to take a, a, a paradigm shift in the way that we look at technology so that we can get those new technologies, new advancements to the market faster so that end users and operators can start to leverage them quickly. Uh, in the past, it's taken, you know, when, when a new technology comes out, it, it can take anywhere from months to years to integrate that technology into our, our currently monolithic proprietary systems. And I think, you know, in order for us to meet the expectations of business, we're going to have to find ways to adapt uh, those technologies faster. And so in terms of key aspects, I would say there's several things that end users should be looking for. I think, first of all, portability. So the ability to take uh, the intellectual property, the control algorithms, the graphics, the reports, the things that allow them to operate their facilities effectively and efficiently to, to get their products and services to their customers. I think secondly, interoperability. This is speaks primarily to the ability to be able to leverage a hardware that's available uh, so that you know, you're not bound by what we are seeing today in terms of potentially supply chain challenges, putting uh, restrictions and limitations on the ability to modernize, update, and expand some of these facilities. I would say thirdly, scalability. You know, both both scaling up and scaling down. In many instances, you know, as we look to manufacture things closer to the point of consumption, you know, making smaller factories that are that are viable, uh, where we can make those products and scaling those systems down, uh, both from a process standpoint, but also from a uh, from a cost and availability and performance standpoint, is going to be critical to meet the the demands of the market and additional future sustainability initiatives. And then finally, I'd say security. I think that that's it, the world we live in today. We're all aware that you know cybersecurity is at the forefront of everything that we do when it comes to computers. Uh, and I think automation is no different. If anything, we found that uh, that vulnerabilities in industrial control systems can result in really catastrophic outcomes. And so to meet all of these ends, I think we you know we saw the the launch recently of UniversalAutomation.org. Uh, which is an independent nonprofit association that, that they manage implementation of industrial automation shared source runtime based on IEC 61499. So this is a whole new way of thinking about automation. I mean, this actually provides the basis uh, for an ecosystem of portable, interoperable, and some in some industries called plug and produce solutions uh, that I think is going to create an entirely new category within industrial automation because it it starts to realize the world where we decouple hardware and software uh, and enable users to actually use the best in breed of hardware 
uh, where and when they need it, as well as leveraging the uh, intellectual property that they've invested in their control uh, strategies, algorithms, and software. So, you know, following on that, you know, one of the, the biggest trends in automation software over the past few years, as you mentioned in your response there, has been this trend away from closed proprietary systems and toward more open systems, you know, as particularly as you noted with universal automation. So given Schneider Electric's advocacy around sustainability, you know, do you see a connection between this push toward more open industrial software and sustainability? Absolutely. I think if we look at, you know, the two pillars of economic and environmental sustainability, specifically the idea of open systems. So software centric automation that enables you to decouple hardware and software, you know, it, it allows us to, to leverage that best in class technology and get that technology applied into our processes at a higher speed and faster, sooner to get the, the outcomes we're after. Uh, and secondly, I would say that it actually reduces our exposure to current supply chain challenges. You know, when you can integrate different types of uh, hardware into your system, you can leverage those things that you can either manufacture or at least acquire locally and immediately integrate them into your system. And I would say on the on the pillar of uh, social sustainability, I think we're seeing systems becoming more inclusive. I think the idea of non-proprietary systems that run on standards-based configuration tools uh, that leverage this decoupling of hardware and software will enable us to democratize innovation. So, so what do I mean by that? I mean that we can now uh, get these tools to the masses so that they no longer have to live in the halls of PhDs and experts in, in certain tools and certain languages, uh, and they can start to contribute their area of expertise to the industrial automation perspective. So there, there is no requirement to have additional licenses and things like that to be able to participate. And I think we're going to come to a place where we start to see the best ideas winning, where everybody can contribute regardless of, of location, regardless of, uh, of, of their means, but actually participating in this more open, uh, inclusive world of, of universal automation-based systems. Uh, one thing there, Michael, I wanted to touch on, you mentioned uh, decoupling hardware and software and this concept of decoupling, you know, we've seen coming up again and again uh, recently over the past few years, probably most notably with MQTT and how it decouples uh, applications uh, to get data from devices, how it decouples the application from the devices so it doesn't negatively impact the performance of those devices. Can you explain this decoupling of hardware and software as it applies to universal automation that you're referencing? Absolutely. So there's really kind of two ideas behind decoupling here. And, and one is the, the, the idea of virtualization. So we're, we're familiar with virtual machines and virtual hosts. You know, being able to decouple the operating system and the applications that run on those app, app operating systems from the actual hardware itself. So in many instances, you know, if you've been operating on proprietary control systems, you'll know that the operating systems, the applications are, are tightly coupled to the version of hardware that you're running. And so in many instances, based on the life cycle of the hardware itself and or the life cycle of the operating system, you may be compelled to change hardware or software for no other reason than life cycle, right? So this is why it's been a challenge in, in, in the recent study that we found in terms of digital transformation to invest in these technologies because you're really simply replacing one product with another product for no additional return. So this becomes very difficult. And so the idea of virtualizing a, a workstation or server, putting that on a piece of hardware so that that operating system and applications can be managed separately 
independent of the hardware is one now obviously that comes with its own challenges and risk associated with supporting of the operating system and cybersecurity uh, concerns but it does allow you to extend the life of those applications and not be compelled to upgrade or, or modernize your system until you identify what that return uh, that you expect to get from the from the application update is secondly i would say it's the idea of containerization so today we we couple our controllers and the embedded software that runs on those controllers in a way that that as similarly to the workstations and, and pcs that as these controllers age or as you want to add new features you have to change out your hardware and in many instances do firmware updates and such the idea of containerizing allows us to take all of the benefits of the controller and put them into a software package that now that can be hosted on different types of hardware and so that idea of uh, of of having a containerized controller now allows you to think about not only uh, being able to separate from the life cycle requirements of hardware but now new architectures so the idea of being able to host a controller uh, in a in a data center type of architecture or even closer to the edge or even in an intelligent instrument or, de or device so this gives us whole new ways of thinking about architecture and it actually allows us to start to think about scalable scalable availability performance and availability in a whole, whole new way uh, i think that's going to bring a, a new new way of thinking to automation oh absolutely definitely a new way of uh, thinking about automation that uh, you know, it's going to take everybody kind of wrapping their heads around this to kind of, you know, especially looking historically at how this has been done. It's a, it's a definite sea change, uh, absolutely, in terms of this. So, you know, now that the listeners, you know, have a better understanding of universal automation and its general connection to sustainability, you know, how could universal automation impact the way industrial manufacturing and processing companies look at the technologies they're using now or looking to use in the near term in terms of both automating their production processes as well as supporting their sustainable operating processes? So I think there, there are two things there as well. I think one is the sustainable process itself. And so historically, we've looked at optimization and, and reducing the waste and consumption uh, through our normal automation platforms. And this addresses the pillars of economic and environmental sustainability. So being able to address some of the uh, some of the losses, some of the emissions, as well as the overall cost of, of running the operation. Um, I think what we start to see in the future is the idea of a sustainable automation system. Uh, so as I said, this, this idea of having a software-centric automation platform that is decoupled from hardware now allows us to look at new ways of how we automate that could potentially enable us to have a more sustainable automation platform itself. So if you have that runtime now running on all these different types of hardware, you can start to flatten out your network. Whereas before we used to have to put in all of these different systems with gateways and mapping tags from one system to another, now they can be integrated into one solution running run operating system with run application. So now you can start to think about how do we re how do we leverage utilizing less resources? So whether that's hardware, so utilizing less space, but also less energy. But how do we now be able to, to, to leverage less software? So less specific specialized configuration applications. One common platform that allows us to operate our facility throughout its, its, its manufacturing process, whether that's from raw materials input all the way to finished product uh, shipment and packaging. Uh, it also helps us to think about how do we optimize skill sets? You know, today we've mentioned, you know, that there, there are, we are resource constrained in terms of having different people with different skill sets. You know, being able to democratize innovation means that we can have skills and tools 
that more people have access to thereby we, we can be able to leverage you know the people that we have available to us where they are available and and i think even from a from a uh, a scope to type of emission you know supply chain perspective we can start to be able to procure more easily these locally acquirable hardware so so we don't have to worry about you know the additional expenditure or impact from a sustainability perspective on having to acquire equipment from overseas or from far away we can actually start to look at how we can source that stuff and manufacture that stuff locally. So there again, I think a whole different way of thinking about sustainability and automation systems, uh, not just from the perspective of what they can apply to our processes, but how they can actually be used themselves and how we design them and how we configure them and how we, how we utilize them to actually have a more sustainable impact in and of themselves. Okay, thanks for clarifying that, Michael. You know, considering that so many automation activities that once required fixed hardware can now be achieved, you know, via software virtualization and digital twins, as we were just talking about, it seems like that would be a big factor, not just for industrial sustainability initiatives around process, but also sustainability of the automation systems themselves. Does that make sense? Or, you know, what's your take on that? Well, I, I think today we've talked a little bit about two aspects. So we've talked a little bit about open and, and what that means in terms of the decoupling and software centric. I've talked a little bit about inclusive. So the idea of, you know, democratizing innovation and moving to non-proprietary type systems. But I think the final thing, you know, if I look at what the future of automation holds for us, I would say the final point I would make is empowered or empowering. And, and what I mean by that is that it's actually enabling the user to focus on their objectives and not on managing the technology. I think today when we look at, you know, historically these, these proprietary type of systems, we're forced to make the decision on technology early in the process. And many times the technology dictates how we operate and how we design our plants. I think moving forward, you know, we, we start to look at how do we leverage technology appropriately? And I'll give you an example. You know, we've met with many customers who have told us that they spend a significant portion of their time managing our systems. And so getting back to the idea of resources, if we're already seeing limitations in, in resource availability and resource utilization, it becomes more and more upon the automation vendors to look at how can we make technology in a way and how can we deploy it in a way that requires less intervention from people so that they can focus on manufacturing the products and services that they sell to their, their customers and so that they can utilize less of their time focused on managing our technology. And so I think those three things, you know, open systems, inclusive systems, and systems that empower customers to get the outcomes that they're after and not focus on managing our technology uh, are really going to be key to what we start to look for from automation platforms in the future. So thanks again for joining me for this podcast, Michael. And thanks, of course, to all our listeners. And please keep watching this space for more installments of Automation World Get Your Questions Answered. And remember, you can find us online at automationworld.com and subscribe to our print magazine at subscribeaw.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technology insights, trends, and news.